Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. My name is Sarah Hanchar, and today I am going to be speaking with my friend David Almeida about the television show, The Facts of Life. You take the good, you take the bad, the facts of life, the facts of life nailed it. Talking to David about this show was a lot of fun. He's so passionate about it. And he actually has a podcast about the facts of life where he dives into each episode, goes season by season, episode by episode. His podcast is called Let's Face the Facts. It is an utter joy to listen to. It's funny, it's snarky, it's sassy, and it's got a lot of fantastic guests on it. I'm a guest on it. Not that I'm saying that I'm fantastic, but I did have a wonderful time. If you'd like to catch that episode, just tune into Let's Face the Facts. My episode is called For the Asking, and it was a lot of fun to record. I hope you tune in to Let's Face the Facts, because like I said, Lots of fun. In the meantime, let's dive into this episode. As always, real quick, if you could rate, review, subscribe, and share, rate, review, subscribe, and share this episode, or your favorite episode, or any episode at all that you think uh, is worthy of a rate, review, subscribe, and share. You can do it on iTunes. You can head on over to Facebook at I Think You're Nice and give me a recommendation there. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I Think You're Nice is my handle for everything. That's I Think You're Nice on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Okay? Sounds good. Sounds great. Let's jump into this episode with my friend David and have a great time, shall we? Take care. Be safe. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat. So let's chat. So let's chat. I think you're nice. So let's chat. do 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 do, do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. Today, my guest is David Alameda. We're going to talk about the facts of life. I am your host, Sarah Hanchar. I forgot to mention that. And we're going to have a wonderful time. Hi, David. Hi, Sarah. How are you? How are you? I, oh, I'm jinx. aware that you're far. <laughs> you owe me a Coke. You're far away. I know we're not geographically near, but I'm, I'm really resisting the urge to shout at you because it's like, Sarah, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear Good. you. Now we can do our, our NPR voices. And Oh, excellent. Yes. And yes. So thank you for having me on the show. Oh, well, my pleasure to have you on the show. David is all the way in Orlando, Florida, and mm-hmm. here I am in Seattle, Washington, and I feel like I should be giving some sort of news update, but I'm not going to. No. <laughs> because life is perfect and beautiful here in the land Nothing of Nothing to see here. Nice. No global pandemic. <laughs> look the other direction. Look the other way. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Everything is uh, hunky-dory, as we say here in the Happy Pink studio. Yes. And we're going to talk about your, is it safe to say that The Facts of Life is your favorite show or just a show you're really passionate about? It's, I'd say it's a show I'm passionate about. It was not my favorite show growing up. It sort of became that as I've become an adult. 
And really just mostly when I was looking for ideas of what to do for a podcast, that was the thing that jumped out as me as the most uh, potent idea for a show that I was quite familiar with. But I, I hadn't seen, like, I've probably seen more Brady Bunch episodes. I could probably recite those verbatim more than Whoa. I could uh, the facts of life, but it just, it just happened to sort of all come together at the right time in the right way. So this is the perfect show for me because I am passionate about it. Yeah. Lovely. And we're going to, we're going to jump right in. Let's pretend a person from outer space who understands what television is and everything else that earth is, <laughs> uh, just beamed down and was flipped on the TV and was like, facts of life, what is this? What would you tell that person? Okay, well, uh, if you have about three hours, I, I can do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not known... You have about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not known for my brevity, but uh, uh, The Facts of Life is a sitcom that ran on NBC from August of 1979 through May of 1988. If you don't do math, that is nine years and nine seasons that this show ran. Dang. And it is about four young ladies navigating the pitfalls of adolescence and growing up with their den mother slash mentor slash friend slash confidant, an older woman by the name of Mrs. Garrett, mm -hmm. who plays various roles in their life. Uh, but at the the end of the day, she's always their uh, their go to person, their elder uh, on whom they rely for wisdom and advice. And the four young ladies of whom we speak, these are names that even people who don't know the show know the names: Blair, Joe, Tootie, and Natalie. Yeah. And and it ran for nine seasons. So it starts off with them in school, and by the end, they're grown up in college, getting married, uh, careers, and uh, yeah, it's it's quite a journey, and and a journey through the nineteen eighties and the <laughs> pop culture and fashion of the time. Oh man, yeah, because it starts out as they are students in a boarding school. And obviously, you mm -hmm. can't have them. They're not cartoons, so it's not like The Simpsons where Bart can be in, oh, no, Simpsons fanatics are going to be really mad at me because I don't remember what grade Bart is in. Fifth grade? Uh, <laughs> fourth grade? I, I want to say fourth or fifth, but I don't know either. I don't know! Uh, but obviously, they can't, uh, the, the ladies from... Uh, facts of life can't be in school forever so they no, it went no. through multiple transitions so after school uh what happens after they transfer out of school or like graduate out of school well um they yes they're in school that's called the eastland school for girls in peekskill new york which is a fictional school in a non-fictional town oh. and uh yeah no peekskill new york exists i have no idea what it's like and um uh, it's this might be its only claim to fame and uh <laughs> the eastland years are seasons one through four then uh the two oldest of the four girls blair and joe graduate from high school at the end of season four and the season five begins with mrs garrett quitting her job as the school dietitian and opening her own bakery and then the two older students 
agree to work for her while they're going to school. This will be their job. And they end up saying, well, let's live here too. And then through a series of beyond preposterous and unbelievable circumstances, the two younger ones, who are still at the Eastland School, they arrange to also live there while they work there and then commute to a boarding school. And then they all live under the same roof. And uh, the bakery is two seasons. And then at the end of uh, that seasons five and six, at the beginning of season seven, spoiler alert, bakery burns down. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So then, is, this, is the show over or do they learn how no. to adapt? Oh, no. The show is only just beginning, Sarah, because there are still three more seasons. And in those three seasons, they open up their own novelty store, kind of like an independently owned Spencer's Gifts uh, without the fart machines. What? Then why and, even uh, have one? <laughs> I know. And, and without the fart machines and without the, the coffee cups with boobs on them. It's like a tasteful Spencer's a Gifts, tasteful if, if there is such Spencer's a thing. Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> And that they uh, run and co-own and manage for seasons seven, eight, and nine. And during that time, Mrs. Garrett, their elder, their mentor, she ends up leaving the show. She gets married uh, later in life, goes off to rejoin the Peace Corps, where she had served in her younger days. And so then her sister comes in to be the sort of older, wise figure that guides the younger ladies. And that is played by Cloris Leachman. <gasps> Cloris Leachman. I mean, mm -hmm. if you can't have Charlotte Ray as Mrs. Garrett, Cloris uh -huh. Leachman is an excellent person to step up to the plate. So good. Yes. Oh. And interesting fact, they went to college together and uh, they room. No, I'm sorry. They did not. They, they roomed together when they all first moved to New York to start their acting careers. Uh, at one point, Charlotte Ray and Cloris Leachman were roommates. So, Aww. they had known each other since the 50s. Oh, that's... Mm -hmm. I love little tidbits like that. Whenever you find mm -hmm. uh, that people have known each other forever. I mean, it's a really small world, especially if you're in a niche community like a uh, female comedy actor. That's, especially mm -hmm. at that time, was probably a pretty close-knit little circle, especially if, as you go up the echelons of talent and success and everything. So, I mean... It would make yes. sense that they would know each other because they were chances yeah. are auditioning for the same things, living in the same towns, working the same gigs. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it seems like it seems like the acting community was so much smaller in the fifties. It seems like everybody who was starting out their career in the fifties knew each other. Mm -hmm. There's all these stories of, you know, Elaine Stritch was in an acting class with Marlon Brando. And what? um Yes. Yes, and um, when Charles Nelson Riley did his one-man show about his life, he went through the roster of the students that studied at, I want to say it was with, I think it was at Strasbourg Studio. Oh, okay. And Charles Nelson Riley studied with, like, uh, Lee Grant and, oh God, I can't think of any of the names. I shouldn't have brought it up now. <laughs> but um, if you watch the documentary Life of Riley... He reads off the roster of the people in his class, and it is like every single one of them is not just a well-known actor. They are all people known for being good actors. Wow. There are no movie stars or personalities there. They're all known for having acting chops and full 
full-bodied careers. And Charles Nelson Mm Riley, I know that name because of the match game. Is that true? Yes, Yes. absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he got famous before that because he won the Tony Award for playing Cornelius Hackle in the original production of Hello, Dolly! (gasps) on Broadway with Carol Channing. Hey, getting back to facts of life. uh, So we're in the school, then we're in the bakery, then we're in... Uh, the, the Spencer's gifts. Spencer's gifts. So I guess <laughs> one of my questions for you is, why did this particular series speak to you? Uh, we, we've we joked on the show, on my podcast, about the facts of life, that uh, it, it spoke to me and many of my friends because we were young gay kids who didn't have any friends. Oh, no, my sweet angel. <laughs> so, it's uh, no, but it's it, and you know it's one of those. It's not sad in hindsight, maybe maybe a little bit, but it's one of those where the the characters were very strongly uh, written. So they are uh, they're really appealing characters, and they we're, we're realizing now as I'm analyzing the show, they really do stand the test of time. But it was. It was that thing of the actresses were so appealing and the characters were so well-drawn and often well-written that it was the proverbial, and uh, forgive me, this is kind of cliched, the whole thing of, it felt like you were spending time with your friends. That's not cliched. I mean, that's why people enjoy certain podcasts and other certain programs, because you feel a kinship to the characters. I think yeah. that's it's coming yeah. from a genuine place. That's okay. That's great. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, but for me, I was I remember it in the first run and if you look at the timeline, I am a year older than Tootie, who was the youngest. Oh, she was a baby. So she was the baby. So right at the time the the show was starting, these were these were girls my age. No, little boys weren't really the demographic for the show, but little gay boys <laughs> like myself, we flocked to it. And as adults, look back and we're like, "Oh wow, yeah, that was a that was a, an important thing." And thankfully, because it was kind of a family show, it appealed to parents. You could sit down and watch it with your folks, and. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a fun show, and it was funny, and it was character-based, and and sometimes, Sarah, yeah? you learned a lesson. <gasps> Learning lessons with the gang? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You know, I was, I had the honor of being on your podcast, which is called Face the Facts, and I forgot to mention at the top mm-hmm. of the show. I'll make sure I mention it when I do That's the intro. Okay. Um, yes, let's face the facts. Let's, oh, the let's face the facts, and it is... A lovely podcast, and you go through and chat about each episode and break it down basically mm-hmm. beat by beat, joke by joke, as to like, oh, that doesn't hold up. And like, oh, that's still really good. And oh, my God, are you yeah. kidding me with that jacket? Um, so much fun. And there are definitely lessons to be learned. The episode that I watched with you was called For the Asking. And it was about yes, that's right about a Sadie Hawkins Day dance where the mm-hmm. the the boys were waiting for the ladies to ask them out for a, for a, a, mm-hmm. a party a dance, and it was just various stances in feminism, some that absolutely still hold up, some that are a little confusingly thought out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes, but it was it was really great, and to see how each character um, 
you know, Tootie, she was like, you mean I can ask out the boys? I have the power and the control over this? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go crazy. And, you know, she goes a little hard, a little, a little bonkers and that kind of backfires on her. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And that was probably season, I believe season two. So we're, st- we're talking early eighties, right? I think it was season four. I think it was just oh, earlier okay. this, you say, I'm just completing season four now. So the Eastland years are in just a few weeks are going to be <gasps> going to be done. Oh dear. But um, I believe that was an earlier episode just from this season of season four. Okay. And uh it was so that was yeah 19 this season i'm completing now was 82 to 83 oh okay so okay. it was definitely an early 80s uh thing and a lot of the you're right a lot of the ideas and opinions are are of their time <laughs> as i said the characters are very well demarcated where you have uh on one hand, you have Blair. She's the girl who is very popular, dates a lot of boys, and she ends up realizing that uh, because she hesitated to bestow some lucky young man the honor of take of, of her be asking him to the dance, she misses out completely, and it's devastating to her. And then there's Joe. Joe is sort of the tomboy and very no-nonsense, and she just thinks it's all stupid anyway, and half the time she's not interested in boys. And uh, then you have Natalie, who is typically boy crazy, but there's a one boy that she likes. Yeah. And she is so insecure and nervous, she doesn't ask him, and then later finds out he was waiting for her to ask him. That's the dream. And neither of them went. I know. And then young Tootie, yeah, like you said, Tootie was like discovering her power, discovering, wait a minute, we, I could do this, but a girl can ask a boy. And uh, yeah, so it absolutely still held up in the sense that it gave varying opinions. Mm-hmm. What doesn't hold up about it is definitely there are people in the episode that say, this, what? No, boys have to ask <laughs> girls. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but no, it is. That was one of the good episodes, and it did. It does still resonate. But there are still some instances where you just you just cringe, and it's like, oh lordy, I I hope we're we're wiser today. I hope I hope we are. I knock on wood. I think we're progressing every year, every day. I think so too. That we're progressing. As, I think so too. As we're opening our hearts and realizing that it's a big, beautiful world, y'all. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's be chill. It is. <laughs> and work on our vocabulary that's the important part as well (laughs) well this actually segues nicely into a a little thing that i prepared for your show (gasps) yes sarah yes is that uh, because the show the facts of life dealt with issues and i'm that's that's with a capital i i don't know if you heard that in my voice did they dealt with issues uh this show was developed by norman lear And if you recall, or for those who don't recall, Norman Lear is really the man who changed the face of television and the television sitcom in the 1970s, starting with All in the Family, because he started putting serious issues buried in laughs and in this, the trials and tribulations of the Archie Bunker family. And then his empire extended into all the spinoffs 
of All in the Family, which includes Maud and the Jeffersons and Good Times. And he also is responsible for Sanford and Son. Uh, so, wow, Norman he, Lear is Norman Lear. He huge. He was huge. He was knocking him out of the park all huge. over the place. Wow. Yeah. So his shows were known for being the shows that dealt with serious issues, but did so in a comedic way. And still did so, even though some of the sitcoms certainly had fewer laughs than others. Norman Lear also was one of the developers of Different Strokes. And since The Facts of Life is a spinoff of Different Strokes, The Facts of Life dealt with issues. And here is a list that I prepared yes. of the different issues <laughs> that they dealt with. <clears throat> Peer pressure, drinking and driving, body image, self-esteem, sexism, parental divorce, Drugs, racism, racial identity, suicide, illiteracy, rape, plagiarism, teenage marriage, abortion, censorship, sex work, parental illness and death, and mental disability, as well as uh, physical disability. Because you may recall, we had uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Jewell played the role of Cousin Jerry, who was the first ever physically challenged person with a visible disability to have a semi-recurring role on a network sitcom. Wow. So the actor himself uh, had some sort of physical... She. It was oh, Jerry sorry. is female. Oh, Jerry yeah. female. No, you, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> Jerry, G-E-R-I. Jerry Jewell, and she had cerebral palsy. Okay. And... They put her, she was a stand-up comic already, and she had funny routines that directly addressed the fact that she is a physically challenged person. And, like, she had a t-shirt that she had iron on letters, and it says, I don't have cerebral palsy, I'm just drunk. (laughs) Like, that was... (laughs) That was her brand of comedy. That was her way of kind of, uh, uh, you know, attacking it, but making you laugh while you kind of better understand that a person with cerebral palsy their brain is perfectly fine it's their body that's not that that's out of whack and giving them difficulty and um so yeah she was a lot of learning moments on the show and it was it was definitely that was that's really her her legacy in television that that was she was the first time a sitcom put a person with a physical disability on and treated her like a human that is still to this day something that doesn't happen very frequently. They, nope. uh, if you've ever seen the show Speechless, it's an excellent show. Uh, um, but Speechless, it's uh, with Minnie Driver, it's probably the headliner. But the actor I'm thinking of who plays JJ, who has cerebral palsy, his uh, Ms. Mika Fowler, and he mm-hmm. he actually has cere- cerebral palsy, and they it's a great show. It's a wonderful show. And he doesn't speak, but he uses a board in which to communicate. And he has uh, an aid that helps him with like, you know, day-to-day activities and stuff. But I mean, it's that show started what two or three years ago. And that was still groundbreaking. So the fact that they did that all the way in the eighties, which like, come on Mm -hmm. folks. That means we should have been doing this the whole time. Come on, let's learn from facts of life. And, 
and uh, broaden our casting and be more inclusive and bring bring everybody in. Yeah. So, thank you for letting me share my list. I loved when I started thinking, like, hmm, you asked me to, uh, you know, about what topics. I thought, ooh, this is a, this is a good chance to kind of take stock. I had never made such a list. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Oh, and one other thing, another uh, thing that distinguishes the facts of life and earns it a place in history. Season one was a rough go. Season one, the show was unfocused. It had too many girls. The characters weren't distinctly drawn. And they also had a male headmaster and then another female teacher. And it just wasn't working. That's a lot of people to keep track of. Yeah, eight girls... Mrs. Garrett, and then two other adults. Oh, That's just crazy. So, then they brought in these two new showrunners. Their names were Linda Marsh and Margie Peters. And they said, we need to simplify. And so, they got rid of the headmaster. The teacher had already semi-quit and sort of been let go. And they got rid of four of the... Uh, of the eight girls. I'm sorry, seven, there were seven girls. They got rid of four of them, including Molly Ringwald. <gasps> she Young didn't make Molly the cut. Ringwald was on the show. She didn't make the cut. Huh. Whatever happened to her? <laughs> Whatever happened to Molly Ringwald? Yeah. Poor thing. And <laughs> but with the seven the seven girls that were there, they got rid of four of them, kept Blair and Tootie and Natalie, and then they added Joe in season two. Well, inadvertently, with the dismissal of the male headmaster in 1980, at the beginning of season two, The Facts of Life became the first ever network television show to have an all-female cast. (gasps) There is no man in the opening credits. There is no man on the payroll. Wow. Unless it's just a walk-on role for, you know, the new headmaster would appear sporadically, but... This show had Mrs. Garrett and the four students, all girl band. Uh, uh-huh. Amazing. That's so great. And I, yes, in my heart, I hope that it's not a, a big deal. You know what I mean? Like when I was at mm-hmm. Second City in Chicago, um, I was working with uh, primarily, I mean, all of my improv troops were mostly dudes and a couple of ladies but i'm like would it be so crazy because women aren't funny (laughs) (laughs) i know women aren't (laughs) funny they should just if i could tell you how many times i've been told women aren't funny i'm funny but i'm not Mm -hmm. hot i'm funny but still not quite as funny as a dude i'm funny like i was given so many caveats Uh, of (laughs) of like why mm. you're funny sarah but like are you though um Oh, but whenever I wanted to make That's a true terrible. Oh, thank you. It yeah, it's stupid. Uh but when I was at Second City and I'm like, well, I just want to make a troop with the following uh cast members and they all happen to be female and it was like oh my god that's i'm like why is that a big thing it's not a big deal that all full dudes all dude casts are all over the damn place why would it be a big deal for all ladies oh my god head explodes yeah congratulations facts of life because that's awesome yeah and and here's another lovely thing too is that the show premiered over 40 years ago now. This It was last August was the 40th anniversary of the premiere of the show. If you follow any of the, the girls, I call them the girls. The That's girls. what Mrs. Garrett always called them. And uh, I love your Mrs. Garrett impression. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like a ghost. 
<laughs> and if you follow any of the four of them, of the students, they're all in their 50s now, but they are all still friends. They're all still friendly. They still comment on each other's Instagram pictures. Aww. They are still... After 50 years, they are still, they still consider each other like sisters and family. And, and it is the sweetest thing to see. And it just, uh, things like that just make me love the show even more in hindsight. That's, that's so nice. Gosh, mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. me happy. Well, I mean, yeah, follow any of them. Yep. Follow any of them and you'll see the others, the others make frequent appearances on, on the Instagrams. Well, they work together for nine years, and sometimes that can mm-hmm. like break a cast, and that's <laughs> that's a long time. That's a lot of episodes because that's back in the day when you probably still had what twenty something episodes per season. Twenty, typically twenty four. Yeah, that's yeah half a year. That's a half a year of work. Yeah, no, it's it's so, long. Yeah, the fact that they're still buddies—that's darling. That makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. It it is so heartwarming to see that one of them will post, you know, hey, like Elisa Welchel, the one that plays Blair, just recently got engaged. And uh when she posted the picture of him proposing to her and all that, you see the others the Yay! Oh my god, that's so great. You just see the others chiming in their congratulations and how happy they are. It's just like oh, I love facts of life. <laughs> They're such nice people. <laughs> I laughed and I learned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> While we're talking about the the ladies on the show, uh, who mm-hmm. did you identify with? Uh, well, actually, let's do a oh. quick rundown of of who we've got in the the Fab Four. In the Fab Four, uh, yes, we have uh, Blair Warner. That's played by Lisa Welchel. She is the pretty spoiled rich girl. Yes. And then we have her best frenemy, Joe Polnicek, which is played by Nancy McKeon. And she is the streetwise girl from the Bronx. And she is at Eastland on scholarship. And she was the one that was brought in in season two directly to be a uh, 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 not a competitor, like a foil for Blair. They thought that Blair being the rich, spoiled, vain one, that there could be some comedy in having a scholarship student who's from the other side of the tracks knock her down a few pegs. And the two of them are extraordinary together. They are both <laughs> so good, and they play their characters and their status so beautifully. And... um. So that's Blair and Joe, and then you have uh, then you have Natalie. Natalie is a year younger than the first two. Natalie is the boy crazy one. They often call her boy crazy. She's really <laughs> into the the boys, and uh, she is uh, she is not explicitly ever stated to be Jewish. But she clearly has an affinity for that type of humor, the sort of Catskills Borscht Belt humor, for talking about her mother nagging her. And uh, we we often have a very uh, old vaudevillian type of jokes thrown her way, and she is a master at delivering she those does jokes have and those vaudevillian punchlines. style stuff going mm-hmm. on, for sure. Rad. Absolutely. And... 
and she is a she was a non-actress. She was a student at the school that the producers and Charlotte Ray went to just to research and say, okay, let's go to a private girls' school and get some ideas and, and and see what's going on there. And so they brought a couple of students to show them around. And one of them was Mindy Cohn. And she just showed them around. And she had such a delightful personality. She was so fun and funny. And um, Charlotte Ray really liked the fact that she was not a classically pretty girl, nor was she a classically slim girl. Yeah. And Charlotte Ray went to the producers and said, you should hire her. She doesn't look like the other girls here. That is something interesting that could be a component of the show, as opposed to all the other girls were, you know, rich, skinny, thin, pretty white girls. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and waspy white girls. And like I said, they never explicitly said Natalie was Jewish, but that, that element also does add a nice little new dimension to the show. Yeah. So that's Natalie. And she's the one that, that I, I identify with. I love Natalie because she is kind of the outlier because she's the one that's a little different from the rest, but still makes it work. And, and being boy crazy when you're a a 12 year old boy who doesn't understand why you kind of like other boys and you get to watch a peer like her being boy crazy. That is just, you, you just love her so much. She is so delightful and, and learned her trade and learned how to act on the show and ended up being a master. She's still working to this day, and she's she's an extraordinarily good, amazing comedic actress. Outstanding. And uh, and then lastly, we have Tootie the baby. Tootie is uh, a year younger than Natalie. She is African American. That doesn't come into play very often. She is um she's the youngest. She was. Uh, so young in the first season, they had her on roller skates the entire season. What? It was actually to make her taller because she was so tiny. Oh. And she's trying to act next to 16 and 17-year-old girls. Uh-huh. So they put her on roller skates because, and she was two years younger than her character. She was a 10-year-old playing a 12-year-old. Oh, she was, she so she was, was the baby. A baby. Like, literally a baby. Oh. Thankfully, over the next couple of years, she grew, and they were able to dispense with the roller skates. But, I mean, she literally she goes up and down the stairs in roller skates. <laughs> it is so crazy how she never doesn't have the skates on in season one. I, I hope she knew how to skate. <laughs> oh, no, she was good. She, was, she could go up and down stairs in them, so yeah. That's bonkers. But, uh, but the last thing I will say about her and the fact that she is the the African-American character on the show, Kim Fields, the actress who plays her, has said that many times over the years since the show, she has been approached by other black women and younger black women who have said to her, I loved watching the facts of life. And the thing I love the most about it was that Tootie was treated like one of the other girls. Yeah. Tootie was a peer. She was not, she, if anything, Natalie was more the other because yeah, Natalie was she the was, odd man out. Yeah. Because she was uh, a little heavier and not as classically pretty. But the, the fact is that it is only on rare occasion have they made a plot line that was about Tootie and her blackness. Sure. And 
it's uh, and that's another certainly hugely commendable thing about the show and that they never made an issue of Mindy Cohn's weight they never did an episode where Natalie oh, I want to go to the dance but I can't fit into this dress <laughs> they never never made an issue in in 9 years of episodes there was never an issue about Natalie being heavier than the others. That's one of the beautiful things, because we've talked about this on your podcast. I I also felt feel like a Natalie. Maybe not, I wasn't boy crazy exactly, but I was definitely, you know, um, heavier and not classically pretty, etc. But at the same time, at the with the show, and which makes a good show, is you don't have to mention anything. You just write good stuff for your characters and let them bring mm-hmm. their talent to the table and and then it makes it makes it interesting we can see that that natalie's a little awkward and a little off the rails a little bit we don't need to make lazy jokes about it that's no. completely unnecessary no. so yeah, I. That's one of the things I really like about it. Yeah, and, and approaching it as though, okay, this is a show about young girls growing up, and the 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 rites of passage of adolescence are universal. They really are. So the idea is, let's take uh, the issues and approach it from that, from the plots and the stories, and then see where the characters fall. And uh, it's. It's definitely a smarter approach, a more timeless approach, and at the time, a more forward-thinking approach. Have you seen everything that Facts of Life has ever done? Because if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, there were TV shows or there were uh, movies, right, for TV. Mm-hmm. There were two made-for-TV movies. Actually, technically three, if you if you count the reunion. But yes, there was a, a film, a TV movie called The Facts of Life Goes to Paris <laughs> that ran between season three and four. And uh, what happens in the movie is The Facts of Life goes to Paris. Oh! And... It's not very good. Neither none of the TV movies is very good. Let's 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 get that right out of the way here. It was another grab for I don't know ratings or money or whatever for sweeps week I guess. But then there's one in a later uh, season called The Facts of Life Down Under where they go to Australia. Okay. And I honestly I don't remember a lot about that because I haven't seen it in a while. And then skipping way ahead, in 2001, there was a reunion movie where they did all get back together. Unfortunately, Nancy McKeon was not able to be there due to scheduling conflicts. So we got Blair and Tootie and Natalie and Mrs. Garrett. And uh, that was, it was nice to see them together again, but the writing was still just awful (laughs) and sad. And it's there, but... To answer your question, uh, yes, I've seen everything they've done, but I haven't seen all of it recently. So, watching the episodes I watch and then discussing them on the podcast, it's a little, um, there's a lot of, oh yeah, I I think I remember I saw this once. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's completely fresh and new in my mind. There's there's definitely a rediscovery uh, happening for me as well as as i go through it on the show 
and let's let's talk about your podcast for a minute. It's a super fun podcast, especially as oh. we are hungry for new content right now. Um, you like yeah, because it's not that many podcasts out there. You know, just, there need to be more of them. There just aren't enough. And I'm glad we're doing. You and I are doing our part to populate <laughs> the world with more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, this podcast trend is really going to pick up, and it's we're going to run with ya. it. And it's going to be a heck mm-hmm. of a thing. So you, it's going to be the button shoes of the new millennium. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the button shoes. I don't even know what that means. I just <laughs> was thinking of a trend that was not a trend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining buttoning shoes, and it it's not terribly convenient. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're onto something with those laces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, so true. So let's talk but about your podcast. Tell you, yeah, tell me what it is. Yeah. So yes, the show is called Let's Face the Facts. I started it uh, August of 2018, so I've already been doing it for you know over a year and a half now. But it is uh, a weekly. Podcast drops every Wednesday. It is an episode-by-episode episode analysis of uh, of the entire series, including the movies. It is myself as the host. Uh, if you if you like the voice of a snarky, potty-mouthed, middle-aged homosexual <laughs> talking about the TV that he loved in his youth and talking about a show he loved dearly, and yet. I <laughs> continually criticize and give notes to the writers and talk about the things in it that are terrible. <laughs> but here's here's my thing. To to love something is to be critical of it. Yes. I love the facts of life and therefore I am highly critical of it. Absolutely. And uh, so yeah, I get. Uh, I figure as as an actor in Orlando, Florida, I have an embarrassment of riches, of talent at my disposal, where I can get in touch with one of my fellow actor friends or other artists in the Central Florida community. So I bring someone over to my house. We watch an episode of the show, and then I hit record, and through the practice of synopsizing the episode, or the process, rather, of synopsizing the episode, uh, we we stop along the way, talk about anything and everything. It might be a poster on the wall makes us think about a toy commercial. It might be uh, a fashion thing that we see that blows our mind because we hadn't seen a members-only jacket in so long. Or <laughs> Oh, man. It's, it's just a, a springboard... Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we just watched an episode. Here's a great example where uh, Tootie had, no, no, Natalie had a poster for Bruce Springsteen, and next to that, an autographed picture of Rick Springfield. Wow. All the springs. Rick Springfield. Yes. <laughs> it's like the, you want a, a snapshot of the of the time and the culture, what these girls are into. Uh, so, yeah, my show is just, it, it, comedically celebrates this amazing sitcom that was such a, a history maker in in so many ways and uh i i do so like i say comedically and snarkily and with uh, a a lot of foul language unfortunately <laughs> so if you don't like potty mouth then sadly you might want to keep on swiping 
but we have a really fun time and I have a lot of fun friends and amazingly talented comedic people such as yourself oh, hey, join hey. me on the show for the journey. It's such a good show, you guys. It is so fun and you know, all I'm looking for is a foul mouth snarky uh, gay man <laughs> to lay out the business regarding an 80s TV show. <laughs> It's it's very niche. It's very niche. Yes, it's very niche. But if you are into it, you are going to be so into it. It's so fun. Yeah. And but you also talk about this show that truly is groundbreaking, that had a really great cast. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the show also is like the jokes are written specifically for each character or so it seems. So the kind of joke that Joe is going to have, you know, the tomboy, mm -hmm. the sassy, um, you know, the one that's really frank and disinterested until she like slams you with a one liner that just brings you to your knees. Yes. And then you have mm -hmm. Blair who's going to have a completely different outlook. Of course, the jokes are character based, but they just do such a nice job of getting them really great jokes. And like, me coming from um, my personal journey of like watching movies, I'm like, oh, good. Here comes the lady character who's going to nag her husband. Like, Tom, why did you take out the garbage? Where these <laughs> where these five women, you know, you have, or you know, the four girls and the and Mrs. Garrett, they're they're laying it out and they're kicking ass and telling these really great jokes and their comedic timing is so nice. And again, it's not a big deal that they happen to be women. Yes, they talk about mm -hmm. uh, lady stuff, but like you said. Uh, growing up and going through puberty, that is a rite of passage for everybody. Is this for little boys mm -hmm. who would care about Natalie's um, boy craziness? To some, yes. They're totally yeah, into it. to some. To some, but yes. maybe not. But it was something you could share with your family and enjoy and maybe give a different perspective, which is totally lovely about the show. Yes. So, mm -hmm. and yes, I, okay, yes. here's the thing. I love Jackie Chan movies. I love them to my core. <laughs> okay. I love them, <laughs> but they are not always good. Okay. Mm. The fight sequences yes. are amazing. And I think the commitment therein is also amazing, but my God, Jackie Chan, how many gangsters could there possibly be in the Bronx or in, um, <laughs> Uh, oh, where where was Mr. Uh, nice Guy taking place? It was in Australia. And it just, just he's always fighting gangs of people because they need like groups yeah. of people for him to battle. So obviously the easiest yeah. way to do that is to get him with gangs. So weird. <laughs> so odd. Not solid writing all the time. Not the best acting all the time. But I love it. I love it so much. But I also <laughs> can accept it for what it is and, and lay down some sass about yeah. it. But that doesn't mean I'm not mm -hmm. emphatically in love with what I'm watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, before we sign off, are there any, uh, are there any like favorite moments in the show? Any favorite trivia things that you have off the top of your noggin regarding any of the cast um, or the show? I mean, I know you have a ton of trivia, I'm sure. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, so here's some, some interesting trivia, is that the Facts of Life, part of its success is not just its uh, strong selection of characters and points of view and all that, but the Facts of Life really succeeded because it was a product of its time, meaning it was on NBC when NBC's ratings were in the crapper. Oh, there were this is back in the old days when there were three networks and PBS if you want to say a fourth it was PBS but there was no Fox at this point and NBC was in third place by by a long distance NBC was in last place and then they had this show called Different Strokes and somehow because of Gary Coleman because of the appeal of him that show was a minor hit for them so very quickly they scrambled and went, ha, ha, spin it off, make another show, uh, take the maid, <laughs> give her her own show. And Mrs. Garrett was the maid on the show on Different Strokes. So then Facts of Life happened, and the first season was awful Ugh. and very rightly should have been canceled. But NBC said, uh, we have nothing else. Literally, it is cheaper to try and fix a show we already have versus develop a brand new show from the ground up. So that's why they hired those new showrunners. That's where the simplification of the cast and the clarification of the characters came about. And then the the next little bit of good fortune that hit it was uh, NBC also had another hit show called Real People. It was an evening, like a news magazine, but it was like fun human interest stories. And it was hosted by comedians, and so it always had a fun kind of party angle to it and do you remember real people did you ever watch that that was not familiar to me well it was a it was another minor hit for nbc but uh, you know a minor hit for nbc was a major something (laughs) so facts of life happened to find itself on wednesday nights at nine o'clock after real people which was on from eight to nine and real people kept growing in popularity And somehow Facts of Life was holding the audience. It was holding it. So they said, okay, it's working where it is. Keep it there. So Facts of Life built its audience partially because NBC was too cheap to cancel it and create another show. And partially because they happened to just stumble upon a time slot after a popular show. And Facts of Life, to its credit, it was good enough to hold the audience and keep people watching. And then as it built its audience and then kind of created its own following, then it moved to Saturday nights. Saturday nights, the lineup being shows like Give Me a Break, The Nell Carter Show, 227, which is the Marla Gibbs show, and The Golden Girls, <gasps> which was a huge hit. There we go. So for the people who stayed at home to watch their sitcoms on Saturday night, the block of shows built around the hit of The Golden Girls, Facts of Life was right in there and continued to hang in. And the only reason they ended after nine years was that the producers had said, we wanted the network and the producers said, you know, let's sign them on for number 10. And I think it was Nancy McKeon and uh, uh, Mindy Cohn who said, eh, really? We, we just, we don't know what else there is to say. We're tired. We want to do other stuff. We've been doing this for so long. Yeah. So they just really didn't want to do it. 
And rather than make some casting changes after the show had already been through some, you know, casting changes, that's where they just said, okay, well then we'll, we'll let it go. And it didn't come back for a 10th year, but uh, the facts of life did benefit greatly from uh, NBC being desperate for (laughs) a new show of even questionable quality and then riding the coattails of other shows that uh, helped it sustain its audience and sustain itself over in nine years is a long run. That's a long time, especially with having Roseanne ran nine years. I mean, go out while you still have your your dignity in place (laughs) um yes i think i i've told you this before but um when it comes to having a bad first season and then having Mm -hmm. a better second season is often referred to growing the beard uh which comes from star trek next generation because william Riker, uh jonathan frake's character he was clean shaven the first season with the first season was wonky and campy and i'm still into it don't get me wrong because i'm in love (laughs) with q and the the character who plays john delancey plays q Uh so i'm i'm totally into it anyway and but then they came back season two jonathan frakes grew the beard infinitely better season so it sounds like oh that so uh, growing the beard they grew the beard and then of course when a show loses you it's jumping the shark from oh, happy days that's but sounds Fonzie. like yep mm-hmm. Fonz, come on man <laughs> wasn't that his was, fault oh he's got a script God. to follow they were on like 35 seasons what are you gonna do jump a shark uh, yes <laughs> I mean, that was so sad. Oh, my God. Terrible. Oh, heavens to Betsy. This has been so lovely. Thank you so much for joining me here today. You were such a peach to talk to. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. You are a dear. I I loved the show that uh, you did. I absolutely recommend to your listeners to seek out the Sarah Hanchar episode okay. of uh, Let's Face the Facts if you want a nice little easy, comfortable way in because Sarah is her amazing uh, love, light, unicorns, rainbow puppies, happy pink girl <laughs> self. It's true. That one's not very snarky because I was so focused on that I was impressed with the feminism of it all that I'm like, this is amazing! Unicorns! (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, no, thank you for having me on the show. This has been awesome, and I would love to have you back on my show anytime, my darling. Awesome! I would love to. Thank you. And I now inv- and I miss your face, I miss- and I miss performing with you. Oh my god, I miss your face. I mean, I'm luckily we're skyping, so I see your face. Yeah, I mean, I see your face, but I miss your. But face. But I miss yeah. your face. <laughs> yeah, I definitely miss yeah. being in Orlando. And when David mentions that there's an embarrassment of riches of good actors, that's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Like these are actors who are top caliber, super hilarious. Some have been on Broadway. Uh, like a number of them have been on broadway mm-hmm. like this is his show is no joke with really great people funny people and um with with just the best and i would like to invite you to to musically arm fart our way out of this episode <gasps> oh i forgot about that i forgot that's your your thing <laughs> that's my um, thing that's <clears throat> how i sign out do you oh, want to try i didn't to do, i didn't warm up you take the good you take the bad oh the facts of life <laughs> Wait a minute, what, what are the lyrics again? What, what, what were those again? 
you take the good, you take the bad, and fear for her, for her, for her, tracks of life. <laughs> okay, that that is correct. I just wanted to be sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, so we can ready? try to do the facts of life theme. Here, Anne. Ready, and <laughs> I sustained the last one for you. Thank you, the facts of life. Perfect. Yeah. Learning the facts of life. There's a little riff in there. Life. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. Have a wonderful day. Thank and you, you are Sarah. A peach and a half. You too. Smooches and goodbye. Mwah. Mwah.